I haven't really woken up oh, until I've had my McDonald's breakfast deal. And I know this is true because before breakfast, I put my phone in the refrigerator and couldn't find the keys that were already in my hand. Nothing gets the morning going like the first sip of an iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. McDonald's. I'm loving it. Well, hello there, and welcome to the AFA podcast, the official podcast of animationforadults.com. Welcome to episode 11. I'm Chris, and I am joined, as always, by Dan. Hello, Dan. Hello. How's it going? Good, thanks. Yeah, good. Yeah. Awesome. And a quick hop across the Atlantic is Yvonne. Hello, Yvonne. Hello. Hello. How's it going? I'm doing well. Doing well. Recording on a different night. This is awesome, though. Mixing stuff up. Yeah. We'd, we'd want to throw that out there just to um, keep people on their toes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait, do my eyes just... De- oh, my ears deceive me? <laughs> no. Yes. No, they don't. <laughs> no. Because after a, a lengthy absence, she's back, everybody. The lovely Rachel's Yay. here. Hey everybody! Hey, Rachel! Hey. Good to be back. Woo! Hey, Rachel, how's it going? I missed, I missed the sound of your voices. Uh, <laughs> we missed you. Yeah, you could at least listen to the podcast. To, um, oh yeah! yeah. <laughs> no, I know you. I say, you had the option of at least listening to the podcast if you missed us. That's all I'm saying. I'm I know, not, but it's yeah. missing. I'm missing the interactive quality, yeah. though. Yeah, it's not the same. It's just not the same. <laughs> yeah. So how you been? Ah, it's, I've been doing pretty good. You know, like I said, I've been enjoying the summer. You know, what's that? Being with family and everything and like that. But I was, it was really good. The you know, trips to the beach, trip to the beach, yeah. and I did one uh, trip to uh, Harry Potter World with my good friends who haven't had a chance to have a vacation on years so it was really good for all of us to spend some time together well before we're getting on with our day-to-day lives but it was uh it was good what's harry potter world um it's basically you know obviously like the name says it's based off the uh the book series and uh it's a split park between uh, it was at Universal Studios and Islands of Adventure, which you literally take the Hogwarts Express, you know, to and from mm-hmm. both parks. And then you can explore um, Hogsmeade and the Hogwarts Castle and uh, Diagon Alley. And it's, it's if you're familiar with the Harry Potter books and are a fan of them, then it's a must visit. Cool. Does it does the train have like an interactive like window display thing or anything like that? <laughs> kind of, like kind of, sort of. Like you, you actually see like the countryside like pass from like yeah. you know as you're leaving from London and going into the countryside and like going through the woods, the uh, Forbidden Forest between uh, that that's just outside of um, uh, Hogwarts Castle and everything. It's all it, it, it changes. Um, it changes when you uh, every time you get on. 
Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah. I saw something like that in, um, <laughs> when we're judging, the, doing the VES awards, the, um, the sort of entertainment uh, 4D rides. There was uh, Ultra. I wonder if it's the same company, but it looked super cool. That's awesome. That sounds fun. It was, it was great to experience that for the first time because I remember I went wow. once before, but that was before the park was fully finished. So I got to experience the whole thing, and it was fun. I had, but I got to drink butter beer. I had uh, <laughs> ice cream from Diagon Alley. There was a there was an a literal fire breathing dragon on top of the Gringotts Bank. It was awesome. Nice. Did I get all the staff to do hilarious accents? <laughs> yes. Oh, <laughs> Fantastic. Awesome. Some some do, some don't, but they're all dressed. They were all dressed in some like the do. um the Harry Potter like style outfits and everything like with the wizarding hats and stuff which i kind of felt bad for these people because like the um during the days we were visiting it was really super hot summer day and they were all wearing uh, like kind of wearing thick black like clothes in the middle of the day so i'm just <laughs> like oh well, that's what you get for having harry potter world in in uh, america in where, in is, where is it in florida, florida. yeah so Orlando, florida it's like basically tropical isn't it <laughs> yeah. Yeah, British clothing doesn't go down so well there. No, it doesn't. Like, they had to stand there for, like, who knows how many hours trying to show all the small children who all had wands how to try and use the interactive wands to make stuff, like, happen around the park. Wow. wow. You, you know those locker rooms smell. <laughs> that's funny. Oh, man, that's hilarious. That sounds, like, fun, though. It's wor- definitely worth a visit. Do you know they apparently uh, they were at one point they were when they were scouting for locations for the film they wanted to use Canterbury Cathedral as oh. Hogwarts and they turned Are it down. Serious? They turned it down because oh. it's because it's paganism or whatever. They thought they couldn't get away, but that would have been amazing. <laughs> wow. I would have just you know looked out the window and gone, ah, it's Hogwarts. Well, the in 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 I think like the sixth movie, Harry Harry's in like a grotty old uh, train station, and that's my local train station, (laughs) (laughs) the one where he um where the uh, where the waitress like tries to chat him up, and she's like, I finish at six. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Like I I remember if that was the sixth movie or the Deathly Hallows. I forget. I can't remember myself. I need to rewatch those movies. I've only seen three of them. Oh, really? Make it good. <laughs> they do. They do. I know. Yeah, I got into those books and movies a lot too. Yeah, I've only read the first three, so I've only watched the first three movies. Did you know that Steven Spielberg wanted to make Harry Potter into an animated film originally? Seriously. That's true. Hmm. To bring it back to our, you know, topic of. Not to say that we got off track in any way. um, Oh no! Already. Um, So yeah, animation. (laughs) That's what we're here to talk about. Um, It's awesome. Yeah, it is. We are going to talk some news. As we mentioned earlier, we are actually recording this a different night from usual, so not. A ton of stuff has happened since last time recorded because it's only like three days after normal. Um, <laughs> but enough, be, enough, enough. Um, one really cool thing that happened this week is that um, 
Production IG are working on a Ghost in the Shell VR experience for the Oculus Rift that they unveiled. Yes. Um, Yvonne, you've uh, been talking about VR mm-hmm. in quite a few of the episodes. You've, it's a real area that interests you, I think, yeah? Yes, it really is. <laughs> um, I, I Honestly, I didn't read that full article, but I saw it in... Um, so what's the what's the story? What's the what are the details on that? Because I mean, it looked looked really, really, really intriguing. Well, it's like a um, it's apparently it's a ten minute story. So it's a it's a not a game. It's a intera- mm-hmm. It's a immersive story, and it's based on Ghost in the Shell, which is a like sci fi cyberpunk anime right. manga thing that is basically based in a world where everyone spends all their time in virtual worlds and um, mm-hmm. there's cyborgs and virtual it's what Last Parts of the Matrix was, uh, was based on yes mm-hmm. yeah so Neuromancer it's, for that it's like it's like a really um, <laughs> really really fitting yeah. <laughs> it's a really fitting um, uh, franchise to base a VR thing on because it's just going to be a natural fit um, yeah and production IG are a really impressive animation company. So, sounds very interesting. Um, yeah. It's, like the I future. said... Yeah, futuristic. <laughs> and it's going to be available for Oculus Rift, and apparently Oculus Rift is the consumer version is coming out sometime next year. So. Yeah, yeah. I still... Uh, I so wanted to get that dev kit. Mm-hmm. I think there are two versions now, but yeah, I, I had to stop myself. I... Because um, I've got a little enough on my plate right now. <laughs> I don't need to open any more doors, but I'm all over that um, that uh, market version for sure. Mm. <laughs> and it's apparently yeah going to be about ten minutes, but it's also going to be a three minute demo version, so people can sample it beforehand. Um, and they're also going to be showing it at the Tokyo Game Show, which is happening this week. Um, wow. Super cool. I'll have to check that out because, I mean, yeah. I, I mean I've mean, i only really, like, noticed, like, uh, virtual reality is finally starting to becoming more of a actual thing, at least with the talking about, you know, the video game industry. But I wasn't sure how they were adapting that for, you know, other industries of entertainment. But I guess this kind of answers my question a little bit. Well, this is kind of the first thing that I've heard that is not games when it comes to Actually- VR. Well, actually, I read something about how, I mean, this is off topic, but definitely in the realm of virtual reality, how, um, uh, I don't know, how it, in, um, foot, in football, in American football, uh, coaches are using it to sort of do demos for students to show them, like, virtual campuses. Hmm. Did you read anything about that? No. I don't know, I don't know what the content is like, but it's kind of like, because if you think about it, I mean, you know, if you think about all the cameras that are on the fields and stuff and how much uh, just raw data they have, I guess that would make sense, right? You could <laughs> you could, you probably have enough data to sort of create, like, a virtual reality experience. But um, I don't know. Like, that's all the information that I have. I just read, like, I think there was a little blurb on, like, um, uh, Engadget or, or BuzzFeed or something. Um, mm-hmm. But I thought that was really fascinating. But the you know the students it's just they're using it as a tool to sort of convince them to sign on. Um, so that is interesting. Um, yeah, I mean I would love to uh, 
that'd be something to really delve into to find out exactly how things like that are being used. Yeah. But I don't actually know if this is actually going to come out anywhere other than Japan, but I hope so. Um, yeah. Well, it seems sounds like it. It sounds like the only uh, hold is just going to be that it's going to be in Japanese. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Uh, well, if it's not with Ghost in the Shell, because not Ghost in the Shell is pretty popular yeah. in the West, also. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, I've I found the the release. It says in a few days the teaser is going to be released for free, and then the full version, which is ten minutes. Is planned afterwards, um, starting winter. Uh, the full version will be sold worldwide. Okay, uh-huh. so it, the main price is about five dollars apparently. Wow, only five so, bucks? Seriously? Well, for a ten-minute thing, I guess yeah. they. I don't know. I, that is kind of cheap. Yeah, I've I've seen ten-minute things far more expensive than that. Hmm. It seems like it'd be quite a good sort of testing thing, mm-hmm. like because I'm really not yeah. sure how well you know VR is going to work for. Well, it seems like that's kind of where it is at the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, like I um I've seen lots of things recently where just you know people will be just trying experimental like films and just you know mm-hmm. just trying things out really. It's quite an exciting period, I think, where you get where, where we're getting these things, which aren't quite movies, they aren't quite games. Um, I mean, I've yet to try um, Oculus Rift. No, me neither, or anything like, like that. The, the, yeah, like the last thing like that that I played was, oh, God knows, probably something, you know, the, the technology's come a long way, so... Mm-hmm. You know, it's, 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 it, it, exactly, yeah, same. So it's, it's, it's gonna inspire people to have new, new things that aren't quite games, that aren't quite films. Um, yeah, but it's, but it, but it's cool that, um, you know, Production IG, who mainly make movies and TV shows, are, um, taking it seriously enough. Yeah, I think they, um, they're, pretty well known for sort of pushing forward animation from a technical point of view so I I think they're one of the right sensible people to be testing it um, and also I've, I've got quite a lot of faith in them as a studio so mm-hmm. yeah here, here. yeah so I'm all for this it's exciting living in the future isn't it it's interesting. <laughs> I mean science I fiction becoming reality yeah I know I mean I just wonder I mean you must have to create You'd have to create so much more content. That's what's fascinating. Yeah, you'd have to create like lots of, like a choose your own adventure story, like lots of outcomes yeah. and. And not only that, animation. But the, yeah, but you also have like a three hundred sixty degree view, right? I mean, the idea is that you're able to look around okay. and sort of change your perspective. I mean, that's huge. That's so. That's crazy. Yeah, no wonder it's only ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's. I mean, that's really part of the problem when you give someone that kind of freedom. You have to create content for all of that. And it has to be seamless, like you know, because in any other aspect where you're creating animation, you're sort of cheating to the camera, and this takes that away. Right. Well, in, in or it makes in, it more complex. In, you get that less so in games, I think. 
video games. Right, for sure, like sandbox games and things like that. But even so, you're still, you only have one camera. Or, or you only have, it's limited. It's limited, I guess is what I mean to say. You have, you mm, have, okay, you, can look, you can move your camera, but you definitely, and this, I mean, it seems like you'd have to have almost double the content, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you also have to create, I mean, just load time alone, you have to be able to, I don't know, I mean, I'm fascinated by it, and I wish I knew a little bit more. I, that's something I definitely want to look into. But, I mean, like, how do you control, you know, load time and, and the amount of content that's there is going to affect load time. So then, you know, I guess things are turned on and off, depending on where the, you know, viewer is in the uh or where the camera is positioned, you know what I mean? Like all that stuff's fascinating. We would definitely, I think that would, that would definitely be a good uh, idea for maybe uh, a main topic for a later episode. I think if we, once we've yeah. done a little bit more research on it, yeah, I think that'd be a yeah, great idea. Yeah. Or, or once, or once, like you know, we've we've been able to tr- to test to test them. Oh yeah, mm. definitely. Yeah. So if anyone wants to send us a VR. Um, right. If anyone like to sponsor animation, donations to animationforadults.com. That's fantastic. Uh, as a bit of a follow-up to something we reported last week, uh, which was about Fantastic Fest showing uh, Mamoru Hosoda's Boy on the Beast as the US premiere. It's not the only um, animation stuff that they're going to be showing at Fantastic Fest because uh, they've released the whole um, skip, they've released the whole um, lineup for the festival, and they're also going to be showing a very interesting-looking French Canadian slash Belgian co-production called uh, April and the Extraordinary World, uh, mm. which I don't know how much you guys know about this. Um, it sort not of too, not too much, but it, I've I all besides from the images that you've uh, you have on the site, I do need. It does look interesting enough that I want to like seek out the trailer though. Yeah, it's sort of steampunky alternate history world, um, but in like I think it's like forties Paris, but in a alternate history. Um, and what I was reading is that it's based on the work of a particular French comic artist. Um, mm-hmm who did a comic called um, um, Adore, Adele Blanc Sec, it's called, um, and there was a live-action French film of it a couple of years ago that was a lot of fun. It, she was sort of like a... Um, kind of almost like a, a female Indiana Jones-type um, character. and She's like travelling around the world and um, in a big frilly bonnet because <laughs> she's a... Mm-hmm. And it looks pretty cool. Um, but yeah, it's from the same crater as that. And it seems to be the style of the animation is based on his art. Um, and it won an mm. award at Annecy. And it has been picked up for US release by G-Kid. So we're going to release it more widely next year. Fantastic. It, it's going to cool. show in Fantastic Fest sometime. Um, because as far as I know, at the time of writing, they haven't time speaking they haven't um actually released when things is going to screen yet just that it's going to be screening mm-hmm. and as well as that they're showing a pretty obscure japanese animation called 
uh, Belladonna of Sadness that is quite eagerly anticipated by some people. It's sort of a weird psychedelic um, art housey thing, but what's quite interesting about it is that it is um, is produced by the studio owned by um, Osamu Tezuka, who was the guy who created um, Astro Boy and other other um, sort of much more family friendly stuff. But yeah, he's he was, one of the one of the fathers of anime, I think. Yeah, he's known as the god of manga as well because yep. uh, he practically invented the modern manga industry and he had a similar effect on anime. And then um, he also, but he also did some more adult stuff and he did like a trilogy of um, more adult films, one of which was based on A Thousand and One Nights but um, put all the sex back that was apparently in the original story. Um, <laughs> and another one called um, Cleopatra, Queen of Sex. <laughs> and then the third one was, um, yeah, Belladonna of Sadness, and it is getting its first uh, US showing, and it's been given a um, a like 4K restoration, and it's going to be released on like Blu-ray eventually. But it's screening at Fantastic Fest as well, and oh, it looks wow. really weird and strange. Yeah, from 1973, is that right? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's something. It looks really yeah, trippy and. Uh, uh... 70s really yes. it, it looks, looks pretty kind of, cool yeah. it looks kind of like <laughs> yeah. 70s um, 70s album art type thing yeah like yeah. fashion illustration yeah you're saying Audrey Beardsley and Gustav Klimt yeah of course yeah Beardsley yeah yeah you can yeah. see that Some, it does not uh, it does it's a bit like you know despite maybe coming from Tuska's studio it does not look like typical anime does it yeah no, no. But he did do quite a lot of experimental stuff as well. Um, Tazka. Yeah. Yeah, he did. He did a great short film called Jumping, which is like a first-person um, short film from the point of view, uh, you know, like seeing someone's eyes as they as they jump, mm-hmm. and it starts as little hops, <laughs> and then oh. this person like starts leaping over buildings and jumping like overseas. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's, it's quite good fun. It's quite you playful. Actually, you can actually see like a ton of Tezuka stuff on YouTube. There's actually... I know you can see everything on YouTube, but you can actually see it legally, as in... Um, <laughs> there, there's like... Because the Tezuka company... He's dead. Uh, sorry to break it to you. He's been dead for a long time. He didn't have a... Are you saying he doesn't have an active personal YouTube account? Yes, I am. Oh. He yes, he was not around when YouTube. So I don't go looking for video blogs. No, but um, yeah, his his comp- you know, the company representing his work is still active, and they've got a YouTube channel, um, and you can actually watch loads of stuff, including some of the experimental stuff, and like Astro Boy and all sorts of. Yeah, Blackjack, and mm-hmm. uh, what was I think I remember I watched uh, bits of Blackjack once upon a time, and it was um, there's all I think I have a manga, one of his manga called The Princess Knight, and then of course there was I think it was like Kimba the White Lion. Who remembers that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the um, the one with the Lion King controversy. Yeah, that the very same. The uh, very suspicious similarities, eh? 
that they know. I still about. liked it. I didn't. I didn't care. I didn't care about the sim- the the similarities between that and the Lion King. I just I just thought it was just really really neat to watch. Hmm. Um. Yes. So. Um. And also, if you're interested in Tezuka, I recommend the book The Art of Ozobu Tezuka by Helen McCarthy. Is a very awesome hardcover arty book that is worth picking up and you can buy it online or I've also seen it like quite cheap in discount bookshops which is kind of depressing because it's awesome uh, also I think Jonathan Clements did a great lecture about Tezuka and his influence on anime um, which you can find on YouTube somewhere that's the kind mm-hmm. of thing you do yeah um, yeah so check that out I'll put that in the show notes. I'll find it for you guys. Awesome. Awesome, thanks. So what else has been going on in the animation world lately, Chris? What else? Well, this is sort of... Well, it is in the animation world, but it's also in the live-action film world in the Disney version of the live-action version of Jungle Book that is coming out next year has got its first trailer. Yep. And we did talk about this um, this film in our um, D23 episode uh, because there was a lot of really positive buzz coming out from the first footage. So we got quite excited. Um, and then this is the first time that we've actually got to see it for ourselves. So what does everyone think? It looks amazing. It's... Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think it just from just looks alone, from those couple of shots that they used for the trailer... It looks very, very impressive. It looks like the, um, as far as like the, you know, the way they have the, the way they're animating the animals and the, the environments that, that are, that's going to act as the setting. It looks very, very impressive. But they're like, there's still some differences that it looks like they're, they might try to do to just, uh, you know, to differentiate it maybe from the original Disney film, which could be both a blessing and the curse. I'm just saying, obviously, it's it's just the trailer, but it's still too early to tell. It seems seems like the trailer is saying, oh, we're going to be doing something a bit more rough and more like an adventure picture. um, More epic. Yeah, to use that. Yeah, darker. I mean, because it is literally darker as well. Like, you know, visually, it's very Mm -hmm. dark. Um, But, um, and then John Favreau, the director, has, has, you know, sort of hit back a little bit and said, actually, you know, we still want to have a lot of the fun that's in the the, the original Disney movie. So it seems like the monster thing is doing one thing. You hear the whistling bare necessities at the very end Mm. of the trailer. Sorry. Yeah, the trailer is weird because the trailer is like, it seems like most of the trailer is saying, this ain't your granddaddy's jungle book. And (laughs) And then at the very end, um... It it has um, a shot of Blue and Mowgli, Mowgli sort of like mm-hmm. um, sitting on Blue's stomach, like right. the iconic images of him doing that in the in the um, in the sixties Disney cartoon, and then uh, Blue like whistling the the um, what's that song? The uh, necessities. So, so, like, I felt like the trailer was saying, like, one thing, and then, so, the trailer was saying, uh, this is gonna be something new and exciting, and, 
and and far more grittier and and and, and rough ready than what you knew before. And then at the very end, it sort of like went, but it's gonna still be the same old thing. So I yeah, don't, but there I don't was know what it's yeah. Saying. But, I mean, that song can be could be kind of dark too. You know what I mean? I, just okay. It's not. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it definitely. I think it lends itself to that, and it wasn't like suddenly get cartoony or anything. I mm-hmm. I as long as like I didn't feel like there was any kind of like stark contrast. I just thought it was sort of a like a, a quite a nod, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, it was intriguing to me. It was just like, oh Jesus! Like I definitely. What is like, this? Where yeah. the hell is this gonna go? You know. <laughs> I mean, they're so talking cru- and the snake yeah, exactly. is narrating through Crucially. most of it. So. The, the snake is a chick, also, and that would make that right. was a start. It was like, because right. I remember that that character being distinctly male, but mm. that's not the fact that they actually made it. Uh, they're, they're, they changed it up to so you don't really know who's talking, and then you actually see the trailer cut to mm-hmm. the snake, and it's like, oh wait, that's who's been talking. Yeah, <laughs> and boy, is it huge! It was Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> yeah, it was um, Jim Cummings. I think who did. Uh, the Which original is really... voice of Ka. <laughs> and now it's... The same voice act. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, the, the weird thing is is that you've only really seen um, Ka talking, and it's not like a real performance shot. It just looks like a snake. And the thing that's going to make the movie work is Baloo, Bagheer, you know, like, interacting with Mowgli. So, it's kind of like... It's a real teaser in that sense. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah, you know, it, it, seeing like a big orangutan is like one thing we've seen that before, but like having having him speak and <laughs> have, having having Christopher Walken's uh, voice come out of it and, right. and I, I... a performance is going to be what the movie is going to be about. Hold hold mm-hmm. the phone because this is this is news to me. Christopher Walken is voicing the orangutan. <laughs> yeah, it's King Louis. Oh my god, that just made my day. <laughs> yeah, that is, per- so, that, is, that is perfect casting. <laughs> what, what, one thing, one thing also that was not clear about the trailer for me, um, and it just blew me away. Apparently, half the movie is like green screens, mm-hmm. and this is and 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 you know it's basically just Mowgli, which is which is live action, mm-hmm. which is nuts. Like all the environments are stunning. If if they are, you know, um, uh, computer generated. I mean, that's just yeah. That's I didn't nuts. realize that because um, mm-hmm. I was concentrating on the the animal characters. And yeah. to, be, to be honest, after all the you know people saying, "Oh, this is them," it's so amazing. Everything I kind of thought I was I was a bit let down, thinking, you know, it's it's not. It didn't seem like it was much better than say. Well, it didn't seem better to me than like Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, for example. Yes. Um, yeah. Which is you know next level gobsmacking, amazing mm-hmm. CG. Um, it didn't seem more impressive than that, particularly. You know, I'm not saying it was bad because it doesn't look bad no, by well, any stretch. Yeah. Well, also, I mean, um, this is not the same footage that was played at D23. Right. No. Right. 
at D23, they played like, um, you know, like full scenes. Mm-hmm. And so, trailers are always, <laughs> they're always a bit of a... I mean, trailers now, like, this doesn't come out until April. Mm. And, you know, like, these shots are not the final versions of the shots that are going to be in the movie. They're going to be great again, or they're going to, like, redo bits here and there. It's just, so, you know, but, but as, as a first look, I, I think it looks really, uh, exciting and, and it doesn't look like it's hanging on to, um, imagery from the cartoon too much in a way that's kind of distracting. Like, that was kind of what put me off Cinderella. Like, the fact that her dress looked exactly like the cartoon. And, um, yeah, so it looks fun. And it's, it's John Favreau. He's, 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 you know, he doesn't make movies that stink. I thought it was funny the way it's got, and the director of Iron Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean. And, yeah. and then the director of Iron Man's like, hmm, those are two names like, I never thought I'd see together. They should have, yeah. they should have used Chef. They should have used Chef instead of Iron Man. That would Agreed. Be funnier. Elf. <laughs> exactly. Elf, yeah. Elf. Yeah, director of Elf, that's what you should say. Every time he <laughs> makes anything, you should say from the director of Elf. I don't think I knew that. You'd make a million, but yeah, you would, wouldn't you? Mm. <laughs> I'm wondering how much of the one other thing about this this uh, this movie that I'm, I've got to wonder. I mean, obviously, they're taking a lot from the cartoon, but also, I mean, because there's also the original book, the jungle, mm-hmm. the actual jungle book. I wonder how much they may or may not try to include from uh, that particular story as well. Well, it's funny you should say that. version of that story. It's funny you should say that, because that is basically uh, one of the things that's been said, is that the um, the guy who's written the script, um, he is, like, a big fan of the original book, and uh... they, they're combining elements of the Disney version with with the um, original book more. Hmm. Mm. So, um, like, John Favreau's like, oh, I love the Disney version, and the writer's more like, I love the Rudyard Kipling version, and they're sort of mashing them together. The Disney version is very different. I mean, I'm not <laughs> sure if, I, if, I've, if I've said this before, so stop me if, if I have, but famously, um, when it was being developed at, at Walt Disney um, Studios, they did, they they basically you know boarded the beats for one version that was quite faithfully sticking to the book, and Disney reviewed it and he said he didn't like it. He thought it was way too dark, and he just said just just do a Disney movie. <laughs> you know he didn't he, he didn't he, you know he didn't say just do a Disney movie, but he said just do something which is you know a bit more fun and play around with this. And they took a lot of liberties. Um, in the Disney version, yeah. Uh, so it's it, it's it's um, there's there's plenty that there's plenty to do with it. You know, mm-hmm. what, what I'm saying is, you know, the story is kind of constantly in flux, and there there have been lots of adaptations. So, like making another one isn't really like, oh no, they're ruining a classic. Mm-hmm. So much, I don't think. Well, there's going to be another two for a start. <laughs> oh, really? Well, there's Andy Serkis's Jungle Book Origins. Yeah. Right. That's a good title. 
Well, you know, because they want to make Jump it a franchise. Jonathan Donald Justice. Surely. <laughs> Jun- Baloo versus Shia Khan. <laughs> Dawn of Jungle Justice. The Dawn of Cat. <laughs> the Dawn right. of the Jungle King. Oh, there are another wow. two. What, what's the what's the what's the no, third in, one? No, no, including. Oh, including. I see. Right. Yeah. Yes. I'm saying yeah. they're going to be another two in the next few years. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, Rachel, you haven't had, we haven't had the chance to ask you what you think about all these Disney live action films that are coming out the whole general um, trend mm-hmm. we we talked about it a bit on our podcast before just wondered are you a fan of it or against it or sort of mixed um I guess if I had to just pick pick one of those three I'd, I'd have to say generally mixed because I'm all up you know I'm not against you know a retelling of a story because that's you know fairy tales and other stories that have you know survived for centuries that's you know that's their bread and butter that you know it, you can't tell you, you tell a story a certain way for so many years and then it, it's going to get stale after a while so i understand for you know wanting to revive something or like do a new twist on a particular tale and you know that's all well and good it's just i it it's the way, I don't know if it's more of the way that it's being done or just the fact that, you know, if, if it's, and there are any ulterior motives of like, are we just doing this, doing these retellings because we've run out of ideas or are just, you know, do we just generally have a, a new story to tell or a new version of a story that would be generally interesting or tr- doing something that had never been done before? Also, it seems like there doesn't seem to be like a consistent idea. Because, like, with Maleficent, mm. they were going, all right, we're telling the story of the villain, we're telling it from a different perspective. And then, like, with Cinderella, they just basically went, we're going to do a straight telling of Cinderella. And well, then... well, the thing is with Maleficent, I have to say, I'll give them props for this, that they, you know, the, the idea of taking the story of Sleeping Beauty from Maleficent's point of view was was a genius idea. You know, it's a perspective of the story we haven't really seen explored before. But, like, I mean, I when I remember when I watched that film, I absolutely adored the backstory that they kind of gave, that they gave her. But at the same time, like, with certain elements of the original story that were, that was really good, like the three fairies and, you know, the whole general idea of the original tale, they changed it around to make, like, the, the three fairies were just, like, these bumbling morons and, I remember in the original, you know, at least in the original film and the original tale, they were, they were not that stupid. Mm, They were like aunties. They were like really important characters. You know, like the family, the family that, um, that Briar Rose like never really had. Yeah. And so I I felt like, I felt really terrible that for this story to work, at least the way that they're, they had envisioned it, they had to, sacrifice these characters and what made them special in order to give this other character, you know, an in-depth backstory. Because I felt like if, you know, you could have pulled both, you know, had both of those elements and have succeeded even, you know, further than what they did. But, you know, sometimes you just, they, sometimes you have to they either cut for time or just someone just says, oh, would it be, wouldn't it be funny if they were silly and we had to make Maleficent, Maleficent actually take care of the Aurora, like, <laughs> not really, because then that kind of 
sacrifices the whole fun thing of aspect about her character and the fact that she's freaking evil. <laughs> the empress of all evil. <laughs> yeah, and then they're going to do a genie prequel for Aladdin. Okay, whatever. <laughs> and the only, Again, the only backstory you want from... No, the only backstory you need from the genie is, like, is done in that one line, isn't it? 10,000 years gives you such a crick in the neck. <laughs> it's just like, I don't want to know anything else. <laughs> He's been in there. I don't know. I'm, I'm personally, because I grew up with the, uh, you know, reading the stories of the, the Thousand and One Nights and the whole, you know, mysticism of, you know, gin and everything. That makes me want to see this this uh, movie, but that's probably not the best reason to want to see that movie. I mean, I'm probably hoping for too much. You, you, you mean you want to see his origin story? Oh, God. Oh, oh, puns. That one hurt. That hurt so bad. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, you're going to feel that one. That's a dad joke. Give me a minute. Give me a minute. <laughs> I got to lock that one off. Oh. Alright, yeah, get the yes. your question, Dan, yes, I would. <laughs> I at least like to, you know, maybe see an interesting, like, play on it. I mean, obviously, with the, since the fact that the Disney's Aladdin is, uh, very much its own unique entity, separate from, uh, what the original A Thousand and One Nights, uh, tale did, but, I don't know, I would like to think that maybe that they could, do a, I, I'd like. I want to believe in the Disney uh, animation crew and the their mm-hmm. so that, that they could actually pull off some really interesting stuff because they've done it before. It but, seems like it. De- it seems like it depends on how popular certain elements are, or how integral certain elements are to a given Disney movie's popularity. Um, it seems based on that how f- it, um, based on that they decide how far they're going to deviate from what the original Disney version was. Mm-hmm. So, like, with Cinderella, I think, you know, the the way they did the carriage and her dress, and, you know, the, like, there was a lot visually there, which was Disney Cinderella. Whereas, mm-hmm. and then same with Maleficent as well, you know, her, her costume. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Because what you're saying, Chris, about you know, there there doesn't really seem to be like a through line. It's not like a cinematic universe as as we sort of know them now, where as you said, there's one idea, there's one fashion in which these things are going to be interpreted, which we're going to expect. So it kind of makes the Disney adaptations maybe a bit more possible because you it's slightly unexpected what they're going to do with it. Mm-hmm. Well, we better get used to them because they're going to be around for quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> There's like 14 yep. in development or something. Yeah. Oh, I don't, they're not running out of ideas. They're, um, you know, they just, they do well. So they're going to keep making them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's <laughs> move on a little bit. And something else that has been released this week that's been interest of interest to animation fans is a new short from Glenn Keane. Uh, and it's called Nefertali. Nefertali. And it, yep. was, it was made for... Um, it was commissioned 
by the Opera de Paris in France, obviously. Um, and it's to do with ballet and stuff. And we've all seen it, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's where he was doing research for duet, right? Or are those two That's what it seemed like projects? to me. Yeah, I think so. I think that's the case. Because I, I think he... Dan, you saw that uh, presentation that he... I at. did. I saw it. At, um, I did. I was kind of in a daydream. Him. Yeah, I, hmm. I don't think he really mentioned but, yeah. where he was doing his research, unfortunately. I think I think I remember him mentioning that's where he did it. I, but um, mm-hmm. it makes sense anyway. But yeah, beautiful drawings. Jeez. I mean, I love mm-hmm. that you get to sort of see. I mean, obviously they're all cleaned up to a degree, but um, it's just nice to be able to see. Um, you know, ma- master draftsman at work, you know, <laughs> and, you know, instead of just seeing um, these super cleaned up cells that are painted, you know, it's kind of nice to see some extra lines. Um, yeah. Yeah, the drawings are gorgeous. I, I really like sort of like with him and like with Richard Williams and mm-hmm. like when artists basically get to the end of their career and they're just like, I'm just going to make films for me now. And, exactly. Yeah. Or I'm just going to do things, you know, even if it's not, like for example, the um, the famous poster artist Drew Struzan, like he retired and he just does fine art now, what he wants to do, and like the animator, um, who produced Bagpuss and Claggers and everything, um, Peter Furman, he he like does um, like fine art sculptures and stuff now. He just you know, and I feel mm. like it's kind of like. This is the um, the period of his career that Miyazaki's got into now, where he's just going to do. I'm going to do whatever I like, and it's going to be really interesting <laughs> to see like the result of his dalliances in the sort of more personal little projects like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm I'm surprised that you know, or I, it's just really nice to see, you know, relatively soon after duet. Like mm-hmm. Len King just doing more animation for the sake of it, right? Because his, yeah. his drawings are gorgeous, and um, you know, it's it's. I just love watching him draw. Is is interesting because he's always interested in you know the force and the weight and what's he's he's really good at talking while he draws as well. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, and also that duet piece. I mean, didn't he say that it was like sixty frames? 60 frames per second or something. I mean, he had to... Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, at least double the amount of drawings. And he was, you know, excited about doing that. So, in a way, I'm not surprised at all. (laughs) You know? Mm, Um, mm. You know, I'm sure... uh, uh, He's probably got more coming. (laughs) No doubt, no doubt. (laughs) You know? No, it it seemed like, you know, a few years ago when he like, you know, decidedly parted ways with Disney, it was it was like a a, a propulsive mm-hmm. move you know, towards wanting to make stuff Yeah. so I, I, I you know it, it, it would be great if he sort of regularly, you know, oh, oh cool and a new Glenn Keane movie is out you know, and it was like a you know, a little four minute YouTube thing that you watch you know, if he does like two, <laughs> three a year, that'd be awesome. Right, and then you and you go, 
Jesus Christ, I have to, I have to go practice my my drawing. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm always like, that's so beautiful. I have to go draw. <laughs> I got to go sign up for a figure drawing class immediately. <laughs> it's inspirational. So yeah, it's, it's absolutely it's, inspirational. So, <laughs> you said just then, Yvonne, like, go sign up for a figure drawing class. And the mere mention of it just, like, made me, like, my stomach is just tied up. <laughs> really? Yeah, well, yeah, the anxiety. But, but it's, but it also, you know, like, it, he's, he so enjoys it. Mm-hmm. Which is amazing. You know, kind of like Richard Williams. Yes. Um, with his, with his new short prologue. You know, you hear right. him speak. He's so excited still about animation. It's, oh, it's yeah. Boring. I mean, he, he says himself, and I know I mentioned this, but, I mean, that was one thing that I think everyone carries away when you hear him speak because he's like, I mean, the time I heard him, he said, you know, I'm 81, and I'm, you know, just now getting a grasp on my craft. I just now feel like <laughs> Yeah. And he, um... He yeah. <laughs> he, um... Yeah, but, so um, good. Also, I'm going to take this opportunity to say, uh, just if you're in, if you like this movie, this, this film, um, go YouTube Glen Keane, like lecture, Glen Keane, yeah. lecture, because there are a bunch of great lectures he does about animation. Um, there's one mm-hmm. where he animates a guy getting up from a chair. There's one where he animates, um, a ballet dancer, kind of similarly, similarly to the ballet dancer in this. And there's another really, really old one that's like a VHS rip um, <laughs> huh. from a CalArts lecture where he is just talking about wow. uh, sketchbooking in general and seeing people and making observations. Wow. And I say, like, th- th- that is a drawing school in itself, his, his, um, his lectures, because he really talks about, you know, um, really internal ideas to create mm-hmm. something which is, you know, a figure external. Um, yeah, he's very articulate and, and inspiring. I mean, he's just, uh, yeah, the combination. I know I walked away. We talked about this. I walked away from that lecture, going like, you're feeling just as inspired as you do when you, yeah. you know, look at his work. Yeah. <laughs> and, and whenever I get in a slump about drawing or I, you know, have a weird bl- block, I'll I'll go uh-huh. and search out those videos and watch them again. They're like. How do you do this again? How do you draw? How do you? Oh yeah, you have to like feel it. <laughs> you know, you have to imagine what it's like to step somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So go and check out that video, and we will obviously <laughs> have to stick the uh, link to it in the show notes so that you can. Yes. And okay, I think that's enough news for today. Um, <laughs> our brief turn. Our brief. So Jared through the news that lasted fifty minutes or so. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot to there's a lot to talk about. Uh, now we're going to talk a bit about. <laughs> now we're going to talk a bit about uh, some things we've been watching, um, and because it's been a while since Rachel's been on the show, uh, I know that Rachel's got some things to talk about. Yeah, uh, my my biggest thing I wanted to you know just because we hadn't had an opportunity to talk about in the podcast before uh, before I had to take my leave of absence, I uh, wanted to discuss a little bit about the the American showing of uh, Dragon Ball Z Resurrection of F. 
that I uh, was very fortunate to get to see um, on the very first uh, day it opened. And um, I have to say, it was... I mean, the movie itself is... I mean, like, if you read my review, you'll you'll know that I adored it. It's basically all the action a Dragon Ball Z fan would want, plus a really, really nice uh, dose of humor. Kind of a bit of a continuation of the story from uh, the previous film, uh, Battle of Gods. And um, and the way that they've... Uh, they're, they keep evolving the story. It looks like, you know, it's going to work out nicely with um, the new... Dragon Ball series that they have right now. But, um, mainly the thing I wanted to talk about is just how, what kind of an amazing experience was just to, uh, be in a theater full of, uh, Dragon Ball fans, both young and old. Like, I saw <laughs> grown, grown men. I saw women. I saw mm-hmm. little kids with fan, you know, little, uh, families with little kids who are all wearing, uh, Goku, like, you know, orange shirts or, like, you know, shirts with Goku or Vegeta or uh, any member of, like, the main cast all, like, you know, all crowded crowding into that theater and uh, just having us an awesome time with this movie. <laughs> it was quite an experience and I'm uh, very excited, very happy to have been a part of it that's helped making that uh, movie the success that it is, at least in the, uh, its western showing so far. Yeah, it made an awful lot of money. <laughs> and for good reason, because there were a lot of lot of people chomping at the bit to see it, and you know, mm. props to Funimation for uh, doing a great job of uh, marketing the film to their uh, to their audience. Wasn't there like a, a pre-show showing before it as well? Like, yeah, there was. Um, they had a whole like thing where they talked about the various aspects of the film, like the fact that you know they were bringing back this. Uh, you know, one of the series' main villains for this film and, you know, kind of the significance within the story for the time he was on the series. And then they had this really fun uh, fun little bit where they had a whole bunch of the various uh, voice actors of the characters of the film all doing, uh, like, Dragon Ball-based trivia <laughs> and just having to see how many of them, like, see who knows what and how well do they know the own story that they have an <laughs> impact in. Wow. Some did good, some did not so good, but then... <laughs> But at least, the very least, they all looked like I had fun doing it, so. There's actually a really interesting episode of the uh, the podcast that um, Rob Paulson, the voice actor, does, Talking Tunes, where he has other voice actors on. They, they had an anime special, and they had, um, like, one of the people they had on it, they also, they also had Steve Bloom and some other really, oh, like, really yes. awesome English voice actors, but they had is, is it Sean Schemmel. Um, yeah, who, Sean Shemmels, Goku. Yeah, who plays Goku. And he was basically saying about how incredibly lucky he was to get in that role. Because mm-hmm. I think he said it was, you know, the first part he auditioned for um, when he was becoming a voice actor. And you know, he's still doing it, like, what, 15 years later or something. I don't know how long they've been dubbing it. <laughs> it's like, a like, long, long time. Longer than that. And, and, and that's kind of why, like, I'm half but not too surprised uh, Rachel, about you saying, you know, the, um, about the, what the audience looked like. You know, like, mm. it kind of has that sort of crossover appeal, like Star Wars, where new kids can discover it at any age and love it. Yeah, and it also but helped it that still you know, has, aired, like, uh, fans. They you know, aired uh, who... Dragon Ball Z Kai on, uh, 
on Nickelodeon too or in various channels, but that also right. helped. But yeah, it is a cross generational series, yeah, they which must... I'm kind of happy for. <laughs> they must have done a really good job on the marketing because it sounds like all the all the screenings sound like they were pretty much packed. All the stories you hear about it, and it, mm-hmm. and it just sounds like everyone was going out and having a really good time and made it. That's the good one of the good things about having these like limited screenings is that they can make it into more of an event. Yeah, it was. It was. I, I can't tell you how happy I was. Like there were so many moments where the I, you know, the entire audience would just roar with laughter. And uh, my particular favorite moment when a certain I don't want to spoil too much for people who haven't seen it yet, but um, there's a certain character who uh, manages to get this uh, manages to reach this one power up form and uh, basically. The entire crowd, the entire audience of the uh, movie, basically just started applauding and just mm-hmm. like standing up. It was it was it was so great. <laughs> and but that, yeah, that was that was. I'm so happy I got the opportunity to see that. I am the Dragon Shenron. I shall grant you any wish. Now speak. I wish for Frieza. Bring him back to life. Your wishes have been fulfilled. Something tells me we're in trouble. I've only spent years waiting patiently in hell for the chance to get revenge against the Saiyan. Well, as strong as Goku's gotten, he's gonna make your face look even worse. <laughs> what sort of fool do you think I ask? Soldiers, give them everything you got! Here they come! Hey, let's do this! Awesome, and that is film. It's also getting a very limited uh, UK screening, where it's basically <laughs> basically showing for one day, um, and it is mainly in I think Showcase and Empire Cinemas. Um, and if you check our website, that you will find uh, an article that's got the uh, list of screenings on or a link through to the official website anyway. Um, and we'll stick it in the show notes. So uh, then that is uh, September 31st, was it? 30th. 30th, sorry. September 30th, um, you can see... Dragon and then Ball. the DVD is coming out soon after. Yeah, that's so coming out. So if you out. miss it, you don't really miss it. Yeah, it's coming out in October. Um, but but you can get to see it on a big screen, and maybe you can... I don't think it's going to be quite the same experience in the UK, probably, because... I don't think audiences, you know, cheer. No. <laughs> that's kind of ironic because that's actually, um, it was actually while I was living in London that I first ever watched Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, believe it or not. What? It was during yeah. my during my time yeah. when my family was living in London and that's why I first watched it and got hooked. CNX. CNX. The channel that was kind of Connected to Cartoon Network, but didn't actually have Cartoon Network in the title. It was brilliant, <laughs> and then and then they showed movies like Demolition Man in the evening. Yeah, yeah, it had like tsunami stuff, and then Adult Swim stuff, and then really random stuff like yeah, yeah, just, like, just like action movies and yeah. lots of kung fu movies. It was a damn good channel. 
missed it last yeah. time, of course. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, if only. If only. Okay, uh, so what else have you been watching? Um, let's see. There was this, uh, I watched a 12-episode uh, short anime series called Nor- uh, Norgami, I believe it was called. Mm-hmm. It, and um, it's about this, uh, it kind of delves into the whole, uh, you know, Japanese mythology where, you know, there are, are, you know, basically like, you know, the gods are all basically all around in nature. Like there's, um, I, at least I think that was like, uh, I think that I'm not 100% sure because I am not Japanese, so I'm not 100% <laughs> versed on what, what this is based on. But the plot surrounds this uh a particular uh, lesser god named uh, Yato, who is trying to, uh, who basically is trying to advertise his services, and uh, so that people will start worshiping him. And one day, <laughs> while he is trying to figure out, you know, trying to uh, fulfill a wish made to him, uh, he is let's see if like he almost gets hit by a bus, and uh, <laughs> this. <laughs> and this girl pushes him out of the way, only to realize that they're coming through, con- coming into contact with him. She gets hit by the bus, and her soul is actually pushed out of her body and only loosely connected to it. So she'll have moments where she'll, her actual body will fall asleep, and her spirit will pop out of her body. And so basically, she encounters, she she finds him again, and just comes up to him and goes, "Fix this." <laughs> <laughs> And so the next 12 episodes are, you know, them trying to figure out what exactly is wrong with her and uh, basically her learning about this whole, the, basically the world that he interacts with on a day-to-day basis and how both now dangerous that can be. But it's it was really, I, I mean, I just, I just really enjoyed the characters and how they interacted off each other. It was what really, I mean, there wasn't too much of a plot going on, I would say, but at the same time, it's just like you watch it for the, characters and how they, you know, learning more about each other and actually, you know, becoming friends and so on and so forth. And Was it was it was, it was it funny or or just interesting, just good drama? Or, um... It was definitely it was definitely a funny funny series because mm-hmm. Yato himself is just a complete <laughs> they love they love making fun of him in that show. Like both um the female lead and um the next uh there's this one uh ghost of a teenage boy who, um, they don't really explain how he died, but it's implied to have been pretty traumatic, and how he has to learn how to be with, uh, being a ghost, and that he's uh, actually tied to this, uh, to Yato as a, like, a vassal. But, um, they always constantly love making fun of him. (laughs) And how much of a, how much of, like, a a lazy, lazy good-for-nothing he is. (laughs) But um, it, it's definitely a nice little twelve episode series that I definitely enjoyed. It sounds I mean, like I know fun. The... An- it, yeah, it sounds like fun. Anime does that stuff so well. Like, it did, nothing really has to happen. But like, you know, like slice of life doesn't really call for you know big plot revelations or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the characters can be enough to. And it sounds like from what you're saying, the characters are enough to just like carry it. Yeah, it really is, especially um because like um I think then the stronger points of the uh at least the 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 first arc that you uh that you watch is after they um you're introduced to this uh Yuki I think Yukine is the kid's name the the ghost kid and uh how now that he's this vassal of this uh, minor god of how the two are actually connected that if um he in any way like sins or does anything negative. Like, 
it will physically hurt Yato. <laughs> so, and <laughs> there's a, there was a particularly funny moment when, um, the, uh, the female lead, she's like, oh, you know, take, try to, uh, take care of this kid, like kind of help him out and, uh, read in adjusting and everything is being super nice to him. Whereas this teenager, you know, he's a preteen. So he sees this pretty, you know, high school girl and she's being all nice to him, treating him like a little kid. And he's thinking of only one thing. And basically you, then you hear Yato screaming over in the corner. like, would you stop thinking about stuff like that? <laughs> Get those dirty thoughts out of your head. But yeah, that was, that was fun to watch. And I think, the only other thing I actually rewatched, um, a particular Disney film that I thought was uh, a bit underrated, personally, was um, Treasure Planet. Oh yeah. Yeah, and I, uh, I, I keep forgetting how much that uh, that film, at least in terms of just like, I mean, I know it's a uh, a bit split in terms of you know how it uh, interprets the uh, the story of Treasure Island, but. I don't know. These things, I think as far as like the the connection between the um, protagonist and the antagonist of the film was actually really inspired, and the, it, it also looks fantastic in terms of just general animation. I forget who which animators worked on that though. Unfortunately, Glenn Keane. Glenn Keane worked on it. He did. Um, did he now? Long John Silver. Oh, okay, that makes sense. And 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 he also did. There are a couple of scenes at the start of Jim. Uh, is he called Jim in this version? Yeah, Jim. Yeah, Jim Hawkins and his mom. Like, Jim mm-hmm. is a baby. Oh, yeah, when he was a little kid. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's, that's some Glen King stuff. Yeah, yeah, I was I don't wondering think... why that looks so familiar. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I've only seen clips of that, which I I loved the clips, but I've not actually ever yeah, seen that. I've only really or... seen it once. I remember um, there was a robot, which was like, Completely CG. Uh, and that was yeah, really that impressive was, uh, to me. Ben, that was the um, the Burby's version of Ben, Ben Gunn. But uh, I forget who voiced him though. Was the only thing, but I don't remember. I don't remember looking too fondly on that character. Everything else was great. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, but yeah, that's what I've been again. watching. Yeah, that was from sort of a weird period of Disney where they did that mm. and like Atlantis, the Lost Empire, and. And then some other really different things. Like Emperor's New Groove is my favourite mm-hmm. from that period. <laughs> yeah. Because that's really different. Um, but, yeah, they tried to do a couple of more action-y movies, but they didn't really catch on, so... Well, you, if you yeah, watched probably... like, Treasure Planet, it was it was actually... I was surprised at how emotional it was, at least in certain parts of the film, because uh, especially during the one-song sequence that they do, that they do have in the film... Where you're seeing, you know, Jim on the ship as they're, you know, going on their journey, and they keep flashing back to his childhood and how his father became distant to the point where he actually left, and how that's still affecting his character. That was that was that was pretty. I mean, I mean, Disney always certain like some Disney movies always have like a certain like like of an edge, like a like a darker edge to them, or like a issue that they at least try to represent, but that was very different at least from every, anything they had done, tried to do before, I think. Yeah, I always think in my mind though, I, I connect it with Titan AE. Yeah! Yeah, yeah. Like the, the main character like... looks similar, he's sort of like, um, curtain hair. 
Like, that's yeah. shaved in the back of the head and all that. And just a little, like, ponytail yeah. off the back. Yeah, they, they tried to make him look as, like, edgy as possible. Which, I mean, given the character's attitude, makes some sense. But... Yeah. Yeah, I think I've only seen it once, but I think I out of the two, I preferred Treasure Planet to Titan AE, probably. Um, Same here. Yeah, because <laughs> Titan AE wasn't quite, it was a bit, it was an interesting experiment, but I don't think it particularly paid off. Um, it tried but, to do too much, I think. But it's a shame, because, you know, it was trying to do a, a sci-fi animation that wasn't... Mm. Yeah. It was trying to push animation to do something different. I was certainly the right age when they came. I was about 11 <laughs> when like Atlantis came out. Yeah. And I was like, just the right age for like a Disney movie, which was a bit action-y, uh, but not too adult. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it since, though. I remember really enjoying it, though. Yeah, Atlantis was... Uh, like, both that and Treasure Planet, I mean, I know that was... It, they both came out in a very, like odd time for Disney, but yeah. and even, you know, and I can understand the possible complaints that people have with both of those films, but even if they're ever on TV, or if I ever, like, see someone else watching it, I'll sit down and watch it and mm. still have a great time. I didn't see Disney trying anything like that anytime soon. No. Which is no. a shame. Mind you, they are they are doing some films that are, they, they're doing quite a wide variety of things. They're, you know, Zootopia and Moana. Quite quite different films. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, but that's that's it for me. Okay. Um something that it's been a while since I've talked about anything I've been watching. Uh so something I watched quite a few weeks ago now, but I haven't talked about on the podcast, is that I've watched Chicken Run for the first time in absolutely years. Um, oh yeah? Yeah. Um and it's the first time I got to see it in HD because obviously I got the um, got the DVD, but it was on Netflix in HD, and I don't think it's been released on Blu-ray. Um, so no, that and Where Rabbit have not. Oh, that's that's so depressing. I need <laughs> Where Rabbit on Blu-ray. <laughs> I remember it was on I was, it was on TV over Christmas, and I yeah. recorded it because it was in HD. Yeah, so good. Mm. Um, yeah. And it was interesting to go back to Chicken Run um, because, you know, it was their Ardman's first Hollywood film. <laughs> um, <laughs> and one thing that really stood out to me is how basically all the cast, almost all, because they're chickens, <laughs> all the cast are female, pretty much. Save <laughs> <laughs> for one or, one or three, three different uh, male characters, but... Yeah. Mostly, yeah, mostly female. Yeah, and you don't get that many female. You, you don't get that many <laughs> female voice actors in the cast normally, and <laughs> no one comments about it. You know, cause it's just, they're just chickens. That's <laughs> true. Yeah. <laughs> no, mm. You don't. You don't see that in a Disney film. You might. Well, you might get um, two princesses who are sisters. <laughs> Princesses, hilarious. stepsisters, evil sorceresses. Yeah. No, you're right. That's a really good point. We need more chickens in movies. That's so funny. I was watching it thinking, hang on, this has got like every British female actress yeah. in it. And then just Mel Gibson. 
<laughs> pre, Pre-meltdown before we all went. Pre-meltdown. So, uh, yeah. Pre-public sh- meltdown. I'm yeah. Sure they're pre- yeah, exactly. <laughs> before the sugar tits incident. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Someone just recovered it. It got, wor- it got worse than that, Chris. But <laughs> yeah. this isn't yeah. the place to... No. Yeah, but... Yeah. That's where it began, <laughs> though. I remember really enjoying that movie's sense of humor, though. I mean, the fact that the... I mean, the, the, all the chickens were obviously cast as female. That was that was just perfect for the setting. But I remember just, like, that, that added a lot of... Uh, just a lot of really well-written humor in that film, too. It's hilarious. I, I remember loving that film so much and watching it a lot. And I I love, I, you know, um, I just love the villains in it. They're great. Um, Mr. and Mrs. Tweedy. Yeah. And he's, he's, crazy, he's, crazy farm lady. And, and you think, escapes and, from Tweedy's farm. Tweedy's farm. And, he, <laughs> and you think, and, and you think he's like, you think he's going to be, um, the baddie, mm. and then like as the film car- continues, you realize, oh no, he's just her crony. He yeah. said, <laughs> and uh, yeah, no. So, so I, I always loved that. I think it's it's kind of because y- y- you know, like there's this sort of like tendency lately to move away from um, like traditional um, villains. Mm-hmm. And villains very much have to be like part of the story, mm-hmm. um, and you have to like explore their character and maybe even feel sorry for them a little bit. But with Mr. and Mrs. Tweedy, you, there's none of that. They're just like full-on pantomime, you know, baddies. Almost a bit. Um, I would I would dare say almost like at least with as far as in the case of Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Tweedy, straight up almost Machiavellian kind of. Yeah. Like, really, it's like Whoa! Yeah, especially by the end, so I'm like freaking like absolutely crazy. Mm. Yeah, and um, uh, another interesting thing is that I think kind of like the the whole thing of having Mel Gibson in it. Um, it always used to be a thing that if you did a British film, they always used to think, "Oh, you've got to have you've got to have an American in it." Because um, otherwise, <laughs> Americans won't go and see it. They, they won't be able to understand. <laughs> oh, so, come on. I know he's an Australian, uh, but yeah, that's what they always used to think. They always used to think, "Oh no, no, you got to put Andy McDowell in it or something," because you've got to have an American for the American audience. And I, I feel like put, putting him in and sort of the character that he is is sort of like you know the cliche of mm-hmm. American, like or you know particularly maybe what. British people see oh. him as Americans, sort of. Yes. Uh, I, f- I feel like it's sort of, while being, you know, they probably put that, DreamWorks probably quite like them putting in, you know, a known American star or whatever. They probably it, quite insisted. Yeah, but it's <laughs> it feels almost like a, you know, a bit of a parody the way they do it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They know exactly what they're doing with it. Like, you know, it becomes... <laughs> It becomes a real, um, uh, a real thing in the film, like a theme. Mm. You know, the older um, cockerel, you know, is like ah, Americans, and yeah, it's, and and it, it's <laughs> it's sort of character. done. It's sort of done. You know, because the film, um, you know, owes a great debt to the Great Escape. Yeah, obviously. 
and, <laughs> to the point and the they, way... even got, they even got the ball bouncing on the wall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and the way that sort of like Americans are depicted in that yeah. is like you know much more peppy, and you know half the Brits die in <laughs> escape. And then Steve McQueen gets out at the end alone. So it, it's sort of like, you know, um, you know, uh, uh, riffing on the idea of how Americans are seen in war movies a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So it's, and it, it, yeah, I mean, it feels like they make enough of a joke about it that you're not rolling your eyes too hard. And his interesting thing is that it feels obviously incredibly British, but the script is written by an American. <laughs> um, I think his name is Carrie, Carrie Kitzpatrick, or, um, and he obviously has got quite a knack uh, for writing things that feel British, because <laughs> he also wrote the, um, he also wrote the script for the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy movie. Oh, uh, I got out of town! Hmm, so, which... I know a lot of people don't like that movie. I like that movie. I like it a lot. I <laughs> really, really bad. do. It's not bad. I am, um, well... Uh, I'm a I huge think... Sam Rockwell fan, though, too. <laughs> Obviously, I, I love the book. I love that movie. But um, I was a big fan of the film. All the um, design work and everything they did. Um, yeah. Fantastic. And, like... Yeah, I love Like, it. the casting and everything. Like, having Stephen Fry mm-hmm. do the voice of the book. And the little animation sequence of the book... And yeah, and I think that the the director who did it is Garth Jennings. He's he's a really mm-hmm. talented guy, and he's done like some really awesome animated music videos. Like he's done, he... did um, this this Blur music video called Coffee and TV that is legendary. About it's pretty this, iconic. Yeah, this little Mike Milk carton goes off on an adventure. It's got a bit of a tragic <laughs> ending. Um, mm. Yeah, but he's really good, and he's a he was supposedly working on an animated film at some point, but I don't know anything that's happened about that. Oh. Yeah, he but... just needs to make any movie because I love Son of Rambo. Oh yeah, that's which, great. Um, which is a film he made a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, which you should check out. It's not animated. No, it has a couple of animated bits. Um, bits of animation by David O'Reilly. Mm-hmm. Um in the form of sort of like a, a kid's uh, doodles in his in his school textbooks. Um, but yeah, oh, you should yeah. check that out. If you yeah, I'd like to see... Like I, have you guys seen Secret Life of a Teenage Girl? That has a ton of animation in it that's similar to that. Oh, yeah, that came out... Yeah, that, that came out recently. It came out it? recently. Yeah, oh, yeah. It, I, it's based on a graphic novel, isn't it? I don't know. That would make sense. I, 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 it just. I mean, I missed the script. I had an opportunity to see it. I missed it, but I, I have my eye. I'm. That's one of the next movies I want to check out. I'm fairly certain it's based on a graphic novel. So, do, do you know what? When I heard about this movie, before I knew that it has like because it was quite controversial in the UK because um, mm-hmm. uh, it was it was borderline fifteen eighteen rating, which is like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's how our ratings work. You, you have to be 15 or you have to be 18. Um, mm-hmm. But before I heard about all that, I thought it sounded a lot like Lizzie McGuire. <laughs> 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 there's a teenage girl's diary and there's animation and it 
<laughs> That's funny. So I'd be interested to see how it is not like Lizzie McGuire. I think it's quite not like Lizzie McGuire in many ways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to talk about Ticket Run for a bit. Um, <laughs> and I haven't really been watching much else, to be honest. Um, so. Dan, have you been watching anything? You'll never guess what I uh, <laughs> what I caught. Rick and well, Morty, um, by chance? <laughs> yes, Rick and Morty, Rick and Bloody Morty is <laughs> seriously, it's so good. Mm-hmm. It's it, do you know what? I I was uh, so, so this week's episode sort of like plays with the theme of um expressing yourself and. And how other people see you, and you know, the, the, the series is just proving more and more that it's just, it's, it's, it, it shares a lot of like it's, it's um, convergent DNA with, uh, with Doctor Who, because yeah. it explores you know like ideas like that, like like you know uh, what I just mentioned, but it does it in a really fun, goofy sci-fi way. <laughs> Um, but but also you know like the writing is 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 smart, but the stories are great. They have a great like internal logic to them, and it's really good just like classic, you know like sitcom writing really. So I'm just gonna I'm not gonna stop banging on about it yeah. <laughs> until uh, until everyone's watching it. We're just gonna have to do a show and get it out of your system. We have to do Rick, Rick and Morty. Yeah, that yeah, sounds, that sounds Rick and good. Yeah, that means we have to watch Let's it all it. somehow. And, and, and yeah. actually, um, one thing I noticed in this episode is that, and this is true for all of them, but you know, the the animation is really good. You know, it, it, it's um, the designs, you know, are, are made to look slightly. Uh, Naive, if that's fair to say, uh, because they're basic, they are based upon Justin Roiland's own animations, um, which you can watch on YouTube. He did one called House of Cosby's, oh, which is the most batshit <laughs> thing. He, well, he made it years ago, yeah. but it's still funny in light of everything. It's not flattering at all. So mm-hmm. you can watch it and laugh. It's, um, it's just about a guy who lives with like, five Bill Cosby clones <laughs> and like some of them like you know uh, <laughs> like one of them's one of the one of the clones his whole thing is just dancing <laughs> so I don't know so, so but yeah going back to Rick and Morty the animation itself is great really good acting going on not just like the same old boring poses that you'd see in you know really quickly produced like TV animation, um, so I, I, you know, yeah, watch Rick and Morty. I swear <laughs> I'm not being paid by Adult Swim. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's interesting. I'm sure that... they could start paying you if you keep pushing. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting though because um, I don't think Adult Swim shows are known for their their animation. To be to be honest, <laughs> as a rule, no, not, not really. So... No, Aqua Teen no. Hunger Force. And but but it seems it seems like for 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 Adult Swim that Rick and Morty was like a big step. Yes, yeah, like their prestige okay. project. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. and it was like it was. I think it was their first um, series, which is uh, four half hour as well. Uh, even their even their um, live action things are normally like little short things, uh, like Children's Hospital, like yeah, ten so minute episodes. Yeah, Rick and Morty. Then check it out, says Dan. <laughs> um, Again, yeah. Last week <laughs> when we you said that you you watched uh, something on YouTube that you wanted to talk about. Had do I? Remember, do you remember what it? No. Okay. <laughs> um, can you? Did, did I say anything more than that? No. You just said I watched a clip on YouTube. Oh, 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 no. This is kind of fun. Okay. So it was something that I had seen before, and um, someone had passed me again. So um, <laughs> Bob Godfrey, uh, who people probably know best as the creator of Rhubarb and Custard. Rhubarb and Custard Rhubarb and Henry's and Cat. Henry's Cat, of course, Henry's Cat. Mm. Um, uh, which were, you know, um, TV... They, they weren't really series. They were just they were just things that used to be on TV every now and again. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, he, well, he had, a, he had a TV show at one point called um, Bob Godfrey's Do-It-Yourself Animation Show. Oh, wow. And there's... And there's a great clip, and he had like a whole book apparently, and and the kit, uh, and you know like a, an annual that you could buy to learn animation with. But one of the episodes, he had Terry Gilliam as a guest. Oh wow! Oh, boy. Yeah. Clip of of it's about fifteen minutes long of Terry Gilliam, and it was like a kids show of of Terry Gilliam yeah. presenting like a you know a little bit. About how he creates his cutout animations, and it was it was made in you know in the seventies. He's got like you know dark long hair and he's wearing jeans, um, and uh, you know it, uh, uh, it's just a great little you know tutorial where he talks about how he finds everything from from magazines and he cuts things out and he goes oh look this um. You know, this uh, this small stone, you can just repurpose this if you put a small person next to this. The small stone becomes a giant rock. Yeah. And it's just a really inspiring little um, little clip. And then and then later on, he... And, and it's interspersed with lots of little things he made just for the show as well, um, because it was for kids, so he couldn't, you know, use his usual sort of humour. No. <laughs> <laughs> um... And then it, there's a great tutorial where he he's you know he shows kids you know you you get a you get a camera and you have to make sure that it's a a Bolex camera and you you know uh, you you film the animation and you put glass down and you make you have to make storyboards and he shows you know uh, how, how to how to make a storyboard and how it's meant to you, you know you're meant to guess okay well I guess this would take about 
two seconds for a character to walk on screen. Um, and it's just a great little little clip um, that's really interesting. So I'll I'll bung that in the show notes. Awesome. Um, Yvonne, have you been watching anything that you want to talk about? Uh, honestly, I have been um, uh, watching just a, lo- a lot of um, submitted films for the <laughs> Animation Nights New York. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, that's going to be your life. <laughs> I know. We have, um, at this point, about 100 films now. Wow. wow. Submitted. Yeah. And um, and uh, some actually some really nice ones. Um, I... I uh, yeah, I'm gonna have a, a short list soon of my favorites, and then um, basically we'll just be comparing notes. And and then I also have to. Um, it's pretty exciting, actually. We, we have um, well, ho- hopefully the, all the details aren't nailed down exactly, but um, most likely we'll be showing um, contemporary Czech animation at the next screening. And um, uh, again, we're still just kind of hammering out the details, but I'm really excited to watch that stuff. So I just got um, my hands on, on some of the digital files to review and I'm really, really looking forward to that. But um, yeah, otherwise I've just been kind of like carving out a little bit of time late in the evening to sort of sit with the submissions and um, it's been fantastic, I have to say. I mean, there's just so much time <laughs> that goes into all of these. Like, even if something isn't your favorite or, your, you know, it's just it's nice to know there's so much of it out there. <laughs> yeah. I mean I haven't I haven't been um and they're sure, you know, I mean it's like we've said before, you know, it's like if you're you know it's worth watching, you know, ten for one really amazing one. You know what I mean? Um yeah. and then the ones in between like through the I mean all of them are, are worth something just for the time and effort that's been put into them. So um, it's just, I don't know, it's kind of a great thing. I'm really enjoying it right now. <laughs> That's really cool, Yvonne. Uh, but <laughs> we'll see how are you Are you finding, um, <laughs> are you finding, uh, how, how are you finding, rather, um, you know, curating them in a playlist? Like, oh, which one, which one should be the end there and which one in the middle? How are you, how are you thinking about, about that stuff? Um. Well, right now we're kind of uh, working with trying to work with themes, really. So it's set up mm-hmm. as a rolling submission. Um, so basically, it's just kind of like submit your film now, <laughs> and then the next step is um, uh, we're sort of picking and choosing things that are our favorites, and then pu- sort of putting we'll be putting them together into sort of a theme. And then once we get that theme. Um, then yeah, then it's a matter of like putting the films in order. And the last uh, show, uh, I really kind of let Robert. He he and I have a um, very. It seems like we have a very similar taste, or at least we've agreed on the things that we've really liked. Um, and it was just a nice. It had a nice flow to it. And if we can repeat that, um, if it's possible, we probably will try because we had you know some experimental stuff. And then um, I think I said this last podcast, but some experimental stuff and then some narrative stuff and some really funny stuff and a couple darker pieces. And, um, and it just made for a really nice flow. I mean, for an, we had over an hour's worth of animation, slightly over an hour's worth of animation, um, all short films. And, um, it flowed really, really, uh, well, you know, you didn't, you didn't get exa- cause it can be a little bit exhausting. I mean, even though they're short, 
um, a lot of them do kind of pack a punch, you know, <laughs> and um, it's just a lot. It's a lot of, of different types of styles and things. So I don't know if that's uh, that uh, answers the question, but um, but yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, no, I I know exactly what you mean. I've um, you know, going to festivals, I just always think it's kind of mysterious how after about an hour, you could mm-hmm. show me the best animation. Um, yeah, but I'm still probably going to be a little bit tired. Mm-hmm. Something, something, yeah. something about shorts. Just you know, uh, you can't have too many of them. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. In fact, we may um, wind up having a little break in between, even though the um, yeah. show itself wasn't necessarily too long. Like, I think it's good to just let people stretch their. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Legs a little, and you know, grab another beer, or whatever they want. Yeah, to Yeah, it can be um, it can be kind of yeah. turbulent because you're heading in and out mm-hmm. of worlds. You're, you know, especially if you yeah. if if like you say, you're watching something which is meant to be a bit dark and serious. You want to give it your full attention, and it becomes mm-hmm. quite exhausting as a viewer. Yeah, yeah. An hour sounds about right, really, for watching yeah. a collection of shorts. Sort of an hour, an hour and a half tops, really. Right, you know, I definitely we wouldn't go over an hour, I don't think. Mm. But we're even thinking about maybe having a little break in between, mm. um, just a you know a quick little five minute thing, uh, fifteen ten minute thing, you know, so people can just have a little bit of a break. But um, we'll see how that goes. But it, it really has been nice, just kind of taking in a few little short films every day, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like three or four at night, just be like, like oh, let's see what the what the universe has to offer here. It's kind of how it feels, you oh, know? That's excellent. Because <laughs> it's just, it seems so random. I mean, they, honestly, they're from all around the world. I mean, mm-hmm. and the cool thing about Film Freeway is you could see the map. <laughs> you know, it's all, all the, all the data is right there, um, broken down for you. And it's, um, yeah, it's, it's incredible. <laughs> but we definitely have to keep up on it, keep up with it though. <laughs> and seeing so, as we yeah. haven't haven't really plugged it this week, if you've got any, if you're an animator and you've got some short films, then you should submit them. To, yes. Or if you know animators, yeah, yes, them. you should submit yes. them to Animation Nights New York. That's yeah. right, that's right. Animation Nights dot NYC or dot com, and um, and there's no uh, limit. I mean, if they were if the film was made in the '80s or the film was made, in the, it doesn't matter. Um, if you know of a filmmaker who'd like to to screen their film uh, in this in our New York City venue, then uh, please do send us a line or get in touch. Um, but oh, but there does ha- there, we do need a digital copy of the movie. We're not set up to uh, we're just, we're just showing it uh, via digital files. Ah, so you said it on VHS. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the yeah, only, that's the only could, stipulation. You can hear the listeners already angle you throwing their 16 millimeters back into the... <laughs> oh, <Fine>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the only copy of my film is on Betamax. <laughs> yep. <laughs> has to be transferred, or has to be recorded <laughs> digital. Okay, damn it. For now, anyway. Yeah, it's actually, it was a bit of a, an issue for this next screening. Um, I don't know, we would like to incorporate older um, works, you know, um, sort of like the, te- the teachers of the contemporary artists who would like to show. 
but um, that might be a little bit of an issue. Anyway, it's something that we can look into in the future. I mean, this is all um, sort of brand new operations, so um, it's all very exciting. <laughs> very cool. There's one other interesting news story is that there is a film uh, that has just been picked up um, for um, distribution from via the Toronto Film Festival that's running at the moment, and it is a stop motion animated feature by Charlie Kaufman, who is best known for live action films such as um, uh, Eternal Spotless, uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. That was him, right? <laughs> I'm not getting mm. mixed up. Um, he didn't direct it, but um, he was the writer, and he also wrote um, Being John Malkovich. Um, mm-hmm. And I th- did he direct adaptation or just write it? Mm. I, I've forgotten. Anyway, um, <laughs> he's a very interesting writer, and he's moved into stop motion with his film, which I temporarily <laughs> forgot the name of. <laughs> oh, what was it? Um, Anomalisa. Anomalisa. Yes. Uh, the film is called Anomalisa and it has been picked up uh, by Paramount and is going to be released by them. And so are we interested to see a stop motion film from Charlie Kaufman, everyone? Of course. Because yes. yeah. I, I don't even really need to know what it's about. Just the fact that Charlie Kaufman is moving into animation is interesting. <laughs> it's kind of weird that it's it's played at Toronto, right? Yes. There's no trailer. There's just one image mm-hmm. that's available at the moment, and not much else about it. No. Um, I mean, okay. So one, not to just like completely throw water on the gorgeous crackling bonfire that's being excited about this, <laughs> but it's good. Okay, it's 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 great actually that it's happening. When Wes Anderson made uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox, there were people who were talking about the movie, critics and just people in general, who felt that there was some kind of extra legitimacy, extra legitimacy added um, by virtue of it being directed by someone who was not an animator. Mm-hmm. So uh, all, uh, all I'm saying is, like, it's exciting. It's great. It would just be nice, like, if it, if 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 it went, if when it was released, it wasn't sort of um, uh, you, you, you know, you, you get these people who just like who don't ever see animated movies, watching something that's kind of okay, and you know, thinking that it's the greatest thing ever. Mm. I'm not mm. I'm I'm not really making my point too well. Um it just people who that... wouldn't usually watch animation thinking that it sort of has added legitimacy because it comes from a proper film director. Yeah. Is proper what director. Saying. Not a director of those silly cartoons. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. Like, like you'll that see Zack Snyder when he made that movie about the owls. 
<laughs> that that we all remember. Ah yeah. uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. So got... so that's that's all I really want to say about like the movie and being excited about it is um, it would be cool if it was kind of not really seen so much in that in that light. Because I well, think I guess it does... all it all depend on whether or not it's good, <laughs> right? Well, I, I'm not sure if it does because. You know, like, there are movies that get released where the animation is not spectacular, but you'll have people writing about it like, oh, and the animation is mm-hmm. beautiful. Like, Waltz with Bashir. I wouldn't mm-hmm. call well, that's that the most th- stunning yeah. animation in the world, but because it was, like, elevated to, you know, um, it did well in Cannes, like, because it had that kind of outsider, uh, you know, prestige to it almost. I mean, outside of to animation. It felt like it was... Well, that movie was... Taken... It was very effective, though. I mean, that's maybe not the... No doubt, best yeah. Example. Well, but we'll right. be here to... um to We'll be here to criticize it if it's bad. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not saying, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying it's bad at all. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm just yeah. saying, like... I've seen how these sorts of films tend to be received. And I and and I'm just interested whether you know Yeah. T- to what extent people are actually interested in it being animated as a novelty or as a, a or someone re- looking at it with a critical eye for animation kind of Um not even necessarily that. Just yeah, okay, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, here's a fun it's question. It's an interesting topic, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. something that we can totally dive into on another podcast, and we've talked about that before, like sort of the use of animation and you know, as a medium and how and where, how a critical eye... Oh, how do you even say it? Hey, yeah, no, where, yeah. Where I, is it going from here, I guess? Oh, like how, how it's evolving? I think, I well, think I mean, more what? I think more everyone's uh, sort of like getting at is is um, to what extent being technically proficient should be a requirement. A qualifier. Yeah, a qualifier. Yeah. Don Hertzfeld, like we're talking about that. Right, yeah. and then there's there are certain films that are just um, effective and and. Um, there are short films with anima- with animation that's maybe super minimal or even not very good. That, well, that gets a little iffy, but but say super minimal that tell a great story and and it mm-hmm. works or have really good sound and voiceover. Let's say minimal animation because like bad animation that's a whole other category. But say like very yeah. limited yeah. Um, that are just as yeah. can be just as effective. Um, I'm kind of fa- I'm kind tricky. of fascinated. Yeah. I'm kind of fascinated with how critics um, interact with animation because I still think mm. critics are really influential and important. Mm. And yeah. the way that sometimes, um, you know, critics who would happily, um, you know, uh, write a, a considered analysis of like a uh, of, of an actor's performance or of a mm. directing performance. Or even of something like cinematography. Um, yeah. I feel like 
the people who would be writing that sort of article, you know, people who, who, who aren't actors or directors or cinematographers would approach animation and, you, you, you know, you, you, because you think they're the intimidated by the art form. Mm-hmm. Sorry, sorry, Yvonne, I, I missed that. Oh no, you think they're maybe intimidated by the art form, or there's a little bit of a lack of understanding, and so it's given a wider berth. I think I think it's simply just a, a ignorance and a lack of understanding, and I don't think that's their fault. Um, it's just something that that that, that fascinates me. I mean, check it out yeah. next time. Next time a movie like this comes out, or if if there's um if there if if there are reviews of this movie from mm-hmm. uh, from Toronto, um, go 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 on the um on the critics uh you know past reviews and see just how differently they might talk about animation. I mean, some that of them is you know, absolutely get yeah. it. Some of them yes. really understand what they're saying and you know, evaluate them as movies first. And then some right. you see, like, you know, revert back to really quite lazy lines like, oh, the the watercolour imagery, when there's in fact uh, no water in... <laughs> and I know that's a really that's finicky, you know, um, pedantic point. But for me, it speaks to oh. a wider point about critics don't really know how to talk about animation they know how to talk and about it's, And that's, I mean, it sort of goes hand in hand with what we talked about with regard to like the amount of animation though, right? Because they're used to really not be, you'd get a lot less, right? I mean, now we have, yeah. we have so much more of it. Maybe that's part of the deal. I mean, maybe people are just not practiced enough. I mean, I, I mean, if it says anything, I, I never ever look at reviews for animated films. <laughs> like I don't even <laughs> think to do it you know what I mean whereas right. with a live action film I would absolutely I mean I, I always... <laughs> so I don't know if that says anything right. but I, no, just, I, I tend know. to I tend to and it really fascinates me how with some critics there is, you know, with some you know you, yeah. well first of all you have critics and then you have reviewers like people who are you know uh, very much in the profession of promoting something or giving you right. an opinion um, mm-hmm. to giving you a consumer advice, you know. Mm, right. Um, but yeah, I think you, some people do have a very different way of approaching, like, you know, criticism for animated films. I've kind of gone off topic from Anomalisa. <laughs> but, really, but, yeah, it's, but it's okay. But, <laughs> um. We've never done that before. No. We've never done that. <laughs> but I, but really, that was, these were the sorts of questions I was asking myself when I saw that this movie existed. Um, because I think these sorts of films do tend to be received very differently from something, even like, um, I don't know, an Arbor movie where, you know, people who have been making stop motion films their whole life, mm-hmm. you know, are sort of treated as like mm. animators rather than right I, or serious maybe not. filmmakers um, yeah, i don't know yeah yeah that's interesting that's really interesting okay to finish up here's an interesting question for you if you could choose any non-animated director to make an animation film who would you choose joss whedon <sighs> Oh, yes, yeah. yes, I, I I agree 100 percent with that. 
Guillermo del Toro. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any director to make an animated film. Mm. Maybe David Fincher. Oh, he because... was going to do what Goon. He was going to do the Goon. Right. Ooh, because, David because Lynch. He... Oh, well. Because he Tim, did. Remember that but... he did the angriest dog in the world, or is that what it was mm. called? The comic strip. I haven't seen that. He did a comic strip. It was just no a dog. He was so angry. He could. <laughs> He's just kind of <laughs> flat <laughs> against the ground and. He wouldn't move. He couldn't move. He was so angry. You know? <laughs> that I'm great. not sure he ever got up. But it was. Just, I know. <laughs> that would be great to see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I think I think you know, um, bringing it full circle, it will ish. Um, you, you, big Hollywood directors. Are interacting with animation far more than ever before now. Mm-hmm. John Favreau doing Jungle Book. That's a yeah. Yeah. animated movie, apart from the um, from the uh, live action lead of mm-hmm. most. Um, right. Yeah, I think David Fincher would be a good fit because he is a very particular director. You hear that he knows exactly what he wants, and I think that's sort of. You know, um, direct you need for for animation. Yeah, I just want Guillermo del Toro to do ones because I've seen like all his sketches and stuff, and I just think it'd be excellent. It's perfect. Be amazing. Well, yeah. well, yeah. I mean, yeah. look at um, Pan's Labyrinth. I mean, that's his. Yeah, his his imagination is. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think out of all, I think out from, of all the directors, yeah. you'd probably have the the most imagination mm. to bring to it. And mm. some of those, didn't he say those, some of those monsters, they're from his dreams. Like, they're straight, like, straight out of the subconscious. I believe it. Yeah. I think there was, at one point, he was teaming up with Disney, who were going to do, like, horror animation label called <laughs> Disney Double Dares You or something. But, Whoa. like, like, every, almost every <laughs> Guillermo del Toro project, it ended up falling through. Um, poor man. And now he works Pacific, a lot. <laughs> now, Pacific Rim Two's might not happen. Aww. So, is the animated series going to happen? Is the question. I want it to happen. Come on, that's that's the best. Please, please. <laughs> it's supposed to be happening, but is it going to happen now? Well, maybe well, maybe uh, the success of the animated series could warrant another movie. Yeah, let's Hopefully. hope so. <laughs> Okay, I think it's been a bit of a mixed show this week, but I think it's been fun. It's been yeah, variety, definitely. a variety, uh, mixed bag, pick and mix. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I, so we're going to call it a day. All we need are puppets. All we need are muppets. Muppets. <laughs> Muppets. Wow, that was we almost. We almost <laughs> didn't make a Muppet reference. That was pretty convoluted. Yeah. <laughs> it sort of it goes with the show. It goes with the, or the episode. <laughs> <laughs> with the episode. I mean, yeah, the the hodgepodge show. <laughs> kind of like the first show. 
With going, um, going full circle. Yeah. This is more more like our yeah, more like our first episode. <laughs> I think it's all right to do one like this every now and again. Yeah. So, so uh, you can listen to all our previous episodes on animationforadults.com, on podcast.com, on iTunes, or now on Stitcher, where you can listen to us or stream us using the the website or an app, and you can also stream it in the post on our website. And you can follow us on AFA Blog on Twitter. You can find us on Tumblr and on Facebook, Pinterest and Google+. And you can follow Dan. Dan. On Twitter, cute. yes. Yeah. At Hamu. Yes. And Yvonne? I'm on Twitter at iSnare underscore Inc. And submit your short films to animationnights.nyc. And of course, Rachel. You can follow me at Rachel Ward at Fail to Ninja on Twitter. Yeah, Rachel's back, everybody. Yeah, it's been great Good having to you be back. back. Hopefully, yeah, we'll been... keep this going. Oh, and, and just one final plug is that you can, by the time you hear this, you will be able to buy the latest issue of My M Magazine in good newsagents or via the um, the App Store on Apple or Android. Or apparently Barnes and Nobles in America, and you will nice. find reviews reviews by me in there. Of I think I review One Piece in there, and I think uh, Bleach, and I also wrote That's an three article. Hmm? Uh, no, you are only allowed one dad joke. <laughs> Sorry, it's <laughs> gone over. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and also I wrote an article <laughs> on the appeal of Frieza from uh, Battle uh, Dragon Ball Z. So <laughs> check that out, and we will catch you very soon when we record another episode of the AFA podcast. So, woohoo! Go- woohoo! Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Bye. 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 <laughs> together again. Gee, it's good to be together again. I just can't imagine that you've ever been gone. It's not starting over, it's just going on together again. Now we're here and there's no need remembering when. Has no feeling feels like that feeling. Together again. I just have to say, I wonder if there'll ever be a day when I hear the word Bolex camera and I don't go <laughs> in my brain. <laughs> Why is that? Sounds a bit like bollocks. <laughs> oh my <laughs> lord. That's funny. <laughs>
It sounds. I'm such a child. It, it, it sounds. Awesome. It sounds like someone who's never heard a posh person actually speaking before, trying to say bollocks in a posh voice. <laughs> uh, I don't know whether to leave that in. <laughs> well, obviously. <laughs> awesome. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> okay. Everybody gets everybody gets one. <laughs> okay. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Everybody needs just the right amount of fuel to get going in the morning. For some, a nice McDonald's egg and cheese bagel is just enough to do it. Others might prefer a McDonald's bacon egg and cheese bagel. Or perhaps a sausage egg and cheese bagel. And there are those where nothing will do but a hearty McDonald's steak egg and cheese bagel. Four different breakfast bagels to get you going. Tomorrow morning, give your engine a head start at participating McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.